0: Hello, and welcome to a Dunica and Roryless edition of the Film Ireland Podcast. Joining me today again is Jonathan Victory. Hello. And first-timer, Natasha Waugh. Hi. <laughs> so given that one of our favourite piece of correspondence we've gotten on this show informed us that no one uses us for news, there isn't much news this month, um, but there is some. So Jonathan, you had things to say about stuff?
1: In terms of Irish film, there are a couple of interesting things happening. Um... Queen of Ireland is a documentary that's just finished filming and it was um, Connor Horgan directing a documentary about Panty, the drag queen. Um, they, their plan was always to uh, finish filming it um, after the marriage equality referendum results and um, they got a very happy ending out of that though. So as far as our sources know, we uh, could see that film finished sometime around the end of August. Hopefully it'll be playing festivals and stuff. I think that'll be a good movie to see. i um, that. Yeah, I'm glad i it. Uh, Glassland director... Gerard Barish.
2: He's got a new film coming on with Charlie Stern called Rain on Fire, which is actually. I'm hugely excited for it because I really liked Glassland. I think he's an exceptionally talented Irish director on the opening, Sony only in his mid-20s. Yes, yeah, this is I thought
0: you mentioned that it was a Dakota Fanning film he was making now. I
1: thought Dakota Fanning and Jenny Slate were in it as well. Uh, did, well or did I mishear that?
2: All I know is has in it. Or has been in can, can you remember what it was about? I actually don't know the premise, but I know it's called Brain on Fire. Here. Okay.
1: I, th- I think in general, whenever an Irish director is sort of getting a foot in the door in hollywood um you know to make an american movie i mean that's that's an encouraging sign about sort of our our content being noticed around the world so yeah,
0: sure sure it's,
2: it's nice and i think you know glassland did so well at sundance in at least it got a good reception and jack Raynor won a hefty award for that so and
0: is now in transformers so congratulations to him on having a something resembling a career yeah uh, storyland is happening again i guess
1: the Irish Film Board were doing a scheme this year for movies, short films like *The Easter Rising*, and they were putting a lot of money into that. So I think um I thought *Storyland* wasn't going ahead this year, but they are doing it again, and it's an RCE scheme where they commission a web series that has to be four ep- four episodes, each six minutes long. And um I think *Hardy Books* started that way, and it's it's a chance for you to basically have a proof of concept for a story you have. You might get a TV show out of it. Um, I'm going to send something in. So, um, yeah, you you have that, you every
0: single year I'll send something in. You've yet to send a single thing.
1: I I said it last year. That was the first time I said I'd send something in. I didn't prepare enough in time, but we now have enough time. The deadline is it's at the end only of July. But it,
0: yeah, it might further your career. So, <laughs> yeah, hefty, send something That's in. a hefty mite there, my friend. Um, some oh, crowd. Don't some... a
2: trier, Richard. Come on. <laughs>
0: Don't bring religion in Natasha. God, there'll be all kinds of conditions and <laughs> So there's some vague crowdfunding news this month to do with films. There's yeah, an the- Orson Wells thingy, I believe, which you know about.
1: Yes, yeah, so I I know a fair bit about Orson Wells now. Um but and there there was Orson Welles' career was quite interesting in that he was filming lots of bits and pieces of projects over the years and most of them didn't get finished. Um the movies that he did get finished are always quite interesting uh there was one project that he nearly got finished called the other side of the wind which uh uh he shot most of the footage for and uh, i think a problem emerged in orson welles estate after he died between um oh yeah who was his uh girlfriend uh for many
0: years who he was seeing wait, wait, wait. married. her to name another- is Kodar. Yeah, that's like an alien space queen name. That's a real human being's name. It's Kodar. I think she's
1: Croatian. Like Kodar Kodos the destroyer. The Apologies to any of our no, I didn't huge like
2: Croatian
0: that.
1: listenership.
0: Does <laughs> um. those specific syllable kind of together sound like an alien? Really Your
1: name is Richard Drum. Those crazy Irish people.
2: No, I don't mean to be offensive when I say that. It's just Richard made me laugh. He made me think
1: of Kay and Kodos. Yeah.
0: Um, <laughs> Yeah,
2: carry on about the Orson Welles story. The see, see, thing
1: there. is, she was, um, she was his girlfriend while he was married, um, and so, so the, the wife and uh, daughter of Orson Welles uh, have been in legal conflict with uh, Oya for years about um, lots of his footage, and so the copyright status has been murky. What's <laughs> the finally battle emerged against Kodor now... continues.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> you want another funny name? No. Peter, I, okay. Peter Bogdanovich. That's not funny, that's just fun to say. Peter Bogdanovich. Bogdanovich. Who you may know as a film critic and occasionally a a filmmaker, he is organizing a crowdfunding campaign on Indiegogo to raise money just to finish the editing of this movie. This movie did call the Other Side of the Wind, so it's possible that you know with enough funding they'll be able to finish the editing on this movie, and it could be the last Orson Welles movie we get to see. So I mean, that sounds like a very interesting development in crowdfunding. It it shows that filmmakers, you know, even like eight years later, they, they can benefit mm-hmm. from crowdfunding. I mean, what filmmaker could object to sort of the principle of well, crowdfunding opening up all sorts of opportunities? It's you should bring that
0: up. Is it? So, known crazy man and all-around general asshole Uwe Boll has been in the news this week for slamming both, I think, the entirety of Hollywood, uh, A-listers in general, and crowdfunding as a concept. Because he tried three times and failed to secure, I think it was like 55 grand, wasn't even that much funding to make... The third Rampage movie. I knew he made one movie called Rampage. Apparently there was a second one. I didn't know that even existed. And it couldn't secure funding. So he had a big tirade on YouTube about, you know, Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie and Robert Downey Jr. They're all assholes. And it was something like he accused them of being anti-poor people because they were making people give over their hard-earned cash to watch the latest Avengers nonsense or something like that. His logic was deranged and...
2: It just sounds as though he's just a bit bitter because
0: oh, he's bitter and, to and a total hack and just the worst.
2: He <laughs> sounds like I yeah, he is the worst.
1: I th- I think you can you know do you go with Uva Bowl or Peter Bogdanovich and Orson Welles? Like, oh, one last sort of thing. He also you claimed
0: it? that you should all grow up because Captain America isn't real. I'm afraid he shattered my world and I did not know that until now. So thank you, Uva Bowl, for you know. Destroying my view of reality. I'll
1: never watch Alone in the Dark the same way again <laughs> after course, he said that. real though,
2: right? Oh yeah,
1: totally. You can pray to him right now. He might, he might
0: show up. Next, okay. I was really struggling to find news pieces. So the one I found was Ian McKellen continues to be a gent was the one I could find. Whereby people were giving out to Ian McKellen for playing Sherlock Holmes because oh, it's been played by so many actors. Why are you doing it? You're a Shakespearean actor. He's like, yeah, but it's the same as Shakespeare. You wouldn't get me playing Romeo. That's been played by 100 people and they all just shut up, I guess. So, Ian McKellen, still a good guy.
1: And that, that Mr. Holmes movie looks good. You're going to be getting. Get I might mention it briefly later, later on. So. Perhaps. perhaps. Have
2: you seen it, Richard? Yes, I have. Did you
0: like it? Spoiler, yes, I did very much.
1: <laughs> um, th- there's also news that uh, Pinewood Studios are looking to set up uh, facilities in
0: Limerick. Set up something, yes, oh, I've in heard Ireland. About
2: this. I actually read a really interesting article.
0: Then, to go ahead, you know more than we do. <laughs> yeah, no,
2: I, I don't know if it's specifically Pinewood, but I know for a fact there is. Plans uh, of a studio has been opening
0: oh no board. yeah they're opening a studio in Limerick for something just, yeah. they bought up some studio space they're going to I think that's just the Irish film board doing that but Spinewood's also apparently I'm opening sure some kind of I'm are
2: or, or, or backing the Limerick one per se
0: oh, I assume some of the money is yeah
2: no, so, but I think it's coming from outside oh okay I it's fine. coming from US alright yeah I think it's coming from US backers but there's an awful lot of controversy over mm. that studio space for a number of reasons and it's to do with um it's kind of logistics to be honest with you the way I the way I've read it. Yeah. Um but I suppose we'll get into that maybe in. I time.
0: think we mentioned it briefly a few episodes back because Rory brought it up I think and I think his point was that's great and all, but no one goes to Limerick, so why would... Well, this is it, actually. But that's the problem with Ardmore. Like, Ardmore yeah. is pretty much the middle of nowhere, but that seems to work for most w- w- people. Wicklow actually well, provides a lot of good locations yeah. for movies, so that's why
1: they have it there. And I think, you know, recently you have, like, Penny Dreadful or in Northern Ireland you have Game of Thrones. Mm. So I think it's pro- probably international investors are seeing Ireland more and more as a filming location. And probably what this Pinewood thing is, because they're, they're, they base a lot of their activities in the UK. I know that the... the star wars movie coming out was mostly filmed in the uk and yeah. they filmed a bit of it off the coast of Kerry or something so maybe they're figuring like it might be good to just have a production base somewhere in ireland where there's more locations i haven't been used plus yet.
0: apparently you know taxes here and whatnot massive rebates etc mm.
2: there's a, no there's a great tax benefit yeah. i have to say from filming in the country and i think they're working extremely hard to try and um, promote that and that's something i'll talk about when i am into. I don't know if this is a section... Did you mention me going to Cannes? Maybe I, I didn't, but you've
0: spoiled it now, yeah, yeah, so well, you can just leave. You, but, you've blown they, your load.
2: they really pushed that um, when they were there. And I have to say, though, this. yeah, I don't know. I know what you mean. At least I know what Rory means about... Mm-hmm hey nobody goes to Limerick I, I understand because
0: I think the studio That's is in, like it's in the middle of nowhere kind of, isn't it of,
2: I suppose it's a little bit of a crude statement but in a lot of ways a lot of the, the reasons why people are kind of against it is because also just to
0: clarify majority... I think it was Rory it could have been done in either case one of the people who aren't here to defend themselves said a bad thing about their hometown oh, blame right. them not us by
2: well, the way they were saying how the majority of the, the base of crew workers and so on, is is located up in Dublin. Yeah. So the cost for them to be brought all the way down to the Limerick would be too high and therefore, anyway, any if they're trying to use this production base as a means to bring in outside um, productions, they're going to most of the time it's going to be ended up with outside crews coming in anyway, which yeah, is not true. good for workers here. No. And I don't mean to get all union about it, but, <laughs> but it just doesn't seem <laughs> to be, it just doesn't seem...
0: Religion, now socialism? God, Natasha, you won't be coming back on this. <laughs>
2: But it doesn't doesn't seem like it might work for, for a number of reasons. But I think I think Ardmore is like Ard- I think is working very hard. I mean, no, no, totally, absolutely, and yeah. Vikings as well. Ashford, is, oh Vikings, yeah. I mean, to be fair, Ashford had I think similar people had similar similar reservations because of of Ashford, and that's doing okay. Yeah.
0: Well, in any case, if there's a pinewood here, that means we can hopefully stock a bond set within the next five years, and you I never would know. totally do that. Yay. <laughs> you don't care about bond. Don't pretend you care about bond.
2: Me and Richard are. Um, <laughs> Fangirling and
0: disgustingly fanboy, fanboy and fangirling this new bond film. <laughs> anyway. Let's not bog down that. Is there any uh, more news uh, we let me just stuff? check my very detailed notes. The next thing I have list written down is a Marvel thing probably happened. So <laughs> I <laughs> as always. Uh, yeah, I can't think of anything. I know Asa Aza, Aza Butterfield. I'm gonna say Aza. Asa
1: Butterfield? Asa Asa, okay.
0: Asa Butterfield is probably the next Spider Man, which is good. That's I like that casting. He... Probably would do well as a nerd who gets bullied and then gets spider powers. Uh, I heard.
1: In the co- I d- don't know much about comics, but I heard that uh, there was a recent storyline where Spider-Man was a kid named David Mor- Mor- or, sorry, Miles Morales. Miles yeah. Morales, and um, so it could have been like a black or Latino actor. I mean, that that, that could have been good. But I, I think it.
0: I think that will still happen. The theory seems to be that Marvel, because Marvel's entire shtick at this point is um, giving fanboys the most 70s slash 80s Silver Age comics that they could possibly want they'll go for Peter Parker first but in like five years time when Aces contracts up they'll just hire, then they'll hire someone to do Miles Brando. What I'd
1: love is for the reveal if if it's at all possible they shouldn't announce who the casting is until Spider-Man is in one of these Marvel movies and and he takes the mask off That'd be great, yeah. (laughs) There's
0: a lot of theories saying that they could have shown him in Age of Ultron but like not take the mask off, show him in the costume and just have him there in the background which would have been kind of cool but yeah in any case, Marvel blah stuff happening, yes. Do you,
2: think, do you think Marvel heroes will be constantly whitewashed?
0: Well, they haven't really been whitewashed yet. They, haven't, they just haven't adapted any of the non-white characters. <laughs> well, no, because Netflix has Luke Cage coming next year. That, that'll be... Well, they also have Iron Patriot, so, you know... the not Iron Patriot, uh, War Machine, Rhodey, and Falcon. they got a few. They're okay. getting there, slowly. Oh, okay, that's what I'm just uh, so I'm
2: <laughs> just trying to rack my head for any...
0: Well, I think kind any of tall, you know blue-eyed, blonde-haired basically. fellows called Chris seem to be their go-to yeah. thing at the moment. I don't know what you mean. It's all a Nazi conspiracy.
2: All of the bodies <laughs> that I've seen who are of any kind of other ethni- uh, of any kind of ethnicity seem to be villains. Oh yeah, so totally. I
0: think that's true of most of culture, though.
2: I guess so. <clears throat> it's problematic.
0: Plenty right of sir. good roles. Plenty of good
1: roles for females, anyway. So at least that's something. At least women are
0: We're getting, getting, getting there. A bunch. Yeah. And the hierarchy of things to be offended by: women are now doing I better, actually, so races next.
2: I haven't seen Age of Ultron. <laughs> yes, so I, I don't really know what the whole debacle was afterwards. Oh, yeah, so we might mention
0: that. that when we get to was it. Was he but called it's sexist or He was no, he's called sexist. sexist okay. um, but that's because there was a woman, and she didn't do all of the things at once. We, we, we get into that later. We, we, I don't know, but we, we might, we might. Okay. In any case. Um, DC news: Joker is in it and has tattoos which don't look very good.
2: Oh wow, this is Jared letter right? Jared Leto,
0: yes. Somebody, uh,
2: somebody, a friend of ours, once said recently that he just it just looks like Marilyn Manson,
0: which I it absolutely does, it really does. Because when, um, when they first cast him, like that's perfect, that's the best possible Joker choice you could go for. Shall I have like Willem Dafoe? Um, I, I I was showing you a, a sketch
1: of like the Joker going to get all those yes. tattoos and explaining how just. The, the, the central problem with having all those tattoos is, just, is that it's just overkill. Like, we Absolutely. know, we know yeah. the character Joker is supposed to be disturbed and this is all just sort of upfront about it. I, I personally, though, I wouldn't have minded it if he didn't have the t-
0: word the one on the damaged forehead. tattoo yes, that is on his forehead. That heinous. one is, oh,
1: the rest of it would have been fine. Yeah. But, like, that that one is just like, oh, no, you're taking the piss. That's just, like- Well, the
0: current set rumours now are that Harley Quinn gives him the tattoos, which I think is actually a bit better, but I still hate that damaged tattoo so much. It just looks ridiculous. It's too try-hard. It At least there's has a nice cursive font for when he's going for job interviews. <laughs> And driving his bright purple Lamborghini down roads.
2: As much as it is overkill for the Joker, though, I'm not riding it off just yet because... Jared oh no, Jared Edo, he'll, he'll be great, yet. yeah. Uh, what's your professional opinion then of the Batman vs. Superman trailer?
0: I liked it, but I don't think it'll be... You see, here's the thing, it looks fun. It doesn't look fun, it looks depressing, but it looks interesting And in that Superman seems to be some kind of authoritarian figure with an army and I'm intrigued as a sort of weird, off-kilter take on the character. But it looks very bleak and... There. i didn't i didn't like
1: man of steel and one of the big problems i didn't it mind was, it was was all the destruction of the cities and just how <laughs> overkill that was i'm wondering in this movie are they kind of making up for that by acknowledging it of the very plot, heavily Is part of the plot going to be people are panicking about superman about how powerful he is so that's they're going to address how yeah. ridiculous the first one was by bringing that in and batman has to sort of thinks he's such a threat that he has to stop that's
0: him. one of the rumors of the plot yeah i mean that's sounds good to me if they do make a massive point about him being dangerous due to the whole wiping out a city last time around that'll be pretty good i guess
1: and well, i'm looking forward to Jeremy Irons as it cuz like he sounded good in the trailer i'm just wondering like does does alfred in every iteration of the character does he always
0: speak in speeches
1: it's always. It like does seem that way, Entirely <laughs> immoralising speeches. It's in
0: either speech. speaking in speeches or silently shotgunning enemies when they enter Wayne Manor. So hopefully we'll get a divis- the visual. Why do we have that in the movies? We that might. We cool. might get Jeremy Irons to shotgun. I'm very happy with that. Who's
2: at the helm of that?
0: Um, Zack, Snyder. Yeah. Yeah, Zack Snyder. Yeah, Zack
2: Snyder. Okay. Because yeah. I have to say, I, you know, I read the graphic novel some years ago, and it was mm-hmm. very good. I mean, it was quite surprising. Wait, a what? A Batman vs Superman.
0: Oh, you mean Dark Knight Returns? The yeah. one where it's like old Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Yeah. Dark yeah, Knight yeah, Returns. Yeah, Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, if it's based on that good but also you shouldn't start with that. Like this is in this universe, the first meeting of Batman and Superman. They shouldn't go straight for the they're about in their fifties and fighting because of political morality and ideals. It just seems weird to do the first movie be the big punch up between the two of them when it's meant to be they've been friends for decades and now suddenly they're at, you know, political opposites and fighty punchy. Explody time.
2: At least it'll answer that age-old question. At least give us one answer. It won't.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It'll end with an explosion. They'll both stand up from the rubble and then shake hands and go fight the main villain who'll be Jesse Eisenberg.
2: Well, hope that's (laughs) Jesse Eisenberg. Ball
0: Jesse Eisenberg. He looks pretty good, Ball, I have to say. He looks a lot like Lex Luthor, I have to say. It looks pretty good.
2: Okay,
0: Okay, I think that's pretty much all of the quote-unquote news. Uh,
1: There there was the results of the Cannes Film Festival,
0: I suppose. Oh, yeah, you can go with that. Just briefly... um,
1: if, from an Irish perspective there is an Irish co-production called The Lobster which is from the Greek director of Dogtooth and this, this sounded like a very you weird Yorgos
2: Lanthimos excellent director
1: Très bien and um, Ed, uh, have you seen The Lobster in Cannes actually?
2: No I actually didn't get to go to be honest with you we'll talk about that in a minute but no I didn't get no. it was just, but, but I, mean, it? I didn't want to but I just <laughs>
1: A cast including Colin Farrell Ben Shaw, John C. Riley, and Rachel Weisz um, they're, they're in a society where if you're single past a certain age you get turned into an animal so it it, it sure. sounds like there's lots of commentary, basically, on sort of modern malaise around dating and loneliness and sexuality and stuff. And it's from this Greek director who has a very unusual output. And like I said, it was an Irish co-production with lots of other European countries, um, won the jury prize. So good for that. And then in terms of the Palm d'Or, it was a bit of a surprise. It went to a movie called, a uh, movie by Jack Odiard, who did The Prophet and mm-hmm. Rust and Bone. And uh, so he did this movie about uh, Sri, Lank- Sri Lankan child soldiers who were... Tamil Tigers and they're now resettling in France and trying to make new life and uh, I, I think it wasn't considered one of the front runners for the Palme d'Or but then it won so it was a bit of a I thought it browser.
2: was I thought everyone was had their money on that
1: hmm. well Eddie, <laughs> you were runners. there so I suppose you, um, tell us well there's your research done do to wanna, the shit Jonathan do you want to tell us more about uh, the Cannes Film Festival then are we moving on to that
2: <laughs> initially? well okay
0: I think we should just quickly because Jonathan you've had a bit of a being in a bonnet to kind of talk about this for a few weeks now so green filmmaking and why it's things I just <laughs> um, I just wanted
1: to mention this briefly because I'm getting published in an academic journal this month <gasps> called. Uh, what was
0: the one thing I said to you for Sarah? Don't make this entirely about you being published. The first line out of your mouth is that. <laughs> Sorry, continue. No,
2: it's just congratulations <laughs> It's a big deal. Thank I'm you. About to talk to me. Talk about me going to Cannes. So That's kind of like the self, the same thing, is it not? No. Oh. <laughs> well done, Jonathan. Studies <laughs> and <laughs> Arts and Humanities
1: <laughs> published a piece based on my master's thesis, which was all about environmental sustainability in uh, filmmaking. And it's just looking at international developments of um, crews and, and studios who are looking at uh, ways of uh, being more energy efficient or handling waste better. And, I mean, they're, I, I mean, so, like, I'd be interested in looking at the developments of this Pinewood facility in Limerick, for example. Like, how are they going to go about doing that? Because we have, like, there's a studio facility in Bavaria that was about 100 years old. They've renovated it and... They cut their carbon emissions by about ninety-seven percent. It was amazing. Okay. Uh, the Wachowskis in Chicago—they built their post-production house in, in, to be entirely sort of energy-efficient and green energy and all that stuff. And what's happening more and more is you have these. Th- th- there's a new crew role that's kind of popping up in on different movies called an eco-manager who will sort of look after recycling and getting energy-efficient equipment and all that kind of stuff on film sets. So they did it on uh, Noah and the last Spider-Man movie. Uh, they did this on uh, film-based the graduate films from last year we did we did it on those so um it's an area i've been researching and i'm going to be writing about this in more detail in film ireland over the next few weeks so uh, do- so do check out the website for my articles on that but it's basically just like, like this is a good opportunity for the film industry to uh be s- saving money on a film and to be contributing to like very important social causes as well because you-, you know we-, we need to be making a shift to sort of green energy and more environmentally friendly stuff and i think film crews generally i think they're so far, I haven't come across anyone who rejects the idea. There's just sort of doubts about how practical it is to do, and it's 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 totally yeah. practical. It's just about you know starting to develop the healthy habits for it.
2: I think that's a fair point. I, you know, I think it's I don't think there's much excuse for for not having it. No. now. and I think Ashford in in I think Ashford is somehow self-sustainable.
0: Oh well, yeah, well, I'm looking into that at the moment. Yeah, and I think uh, they have
2: they have windmills. I think.
0: Well, let me put this to you. So Noah, I'm making Spider-Man 2. Jupiter Ascending? Was it also green? I, I imagine some of it was because the yeah. Wachowskis were involved. So, three films which, by all accounts, kind of flopped. Uh, I liked Noah. but I liked Noah. I liked the Spider-Man 2 in that it's terrible <laughs> and i watched it several times. Uh, I mean, Jupiter Ascending was... It. You see, I don't know, it's not that this will affect the quality of the film one way or the other. What I was going to say was, do you think they'll now, because they're always looking for anything to blame anything on when a film fails, will they go, (laughs) oh, old environmentalism, killed it, don't do that again.
1: Yeah, because that comes in at the script writing stage, when it's just one or or two people and a, a laptop, or, yeah, so... I mean no no. I mean, no, no, I mean, that kind of crap happens, though, because when Expendables yeah.
0: 3 came out and it started bombing mercilessly, Sylvester Stallone and the studio started complaining about piracy, but it wasn't even the most pirated movie of that month or anything, so they will find anything <laughs> they can to latch onto, so Green Filmmaking killed by flops.
1: <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll get a hit at some point.
0: <laughs> one hopes, one hopes. So, back to the... Thing we just talked about. Natasha, you were apparently in Cannes and made a little film that was also in Cannes. Talk about Cannes. Can I? If you can. Oh, 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 oh god, I hate, <laughs> I, I hate all of you. I hate all of you. We're
1: gonna con right. this section. And you can stop now. I have about four more that, of no, these puns.
2: You've you only four? I have like, <laughs> I have many, many puns. Anyway, um, I suppose I two minutes would they happen by accident because... Well, yes. Yeah, so
0: let's say what what your film was called. Where okay, people can, can find it. What's it about? Except okay, around. we
2: actually actually can't find it.
0: Uh, okay.
2: <laughs> yes, but I think we're gonna. Is that a video to... or anything? No. Well, yeah. But oh, it's, yeah. But it's privately. private. Um, but it should be made public within the next month or so. Cool. So, uh, yeah, basically, I am um, part of a company which I co-founded with um, a college friend of mine, old college friend of mine, um, Richie Richie Keeney. Um, we're not in college anymore, just to clarify. Um, but the two of us started <laughs> a. We're all very old fight back films after we finished college um, as a way to sort of learn more about making films and then also to try and produce some high-quality shorts and learn a lot in the process. So he made a couple and I made a couple and one of the ones I made um, was shot on uh, 16mm a short film called Food Fight which I made at the very, very end of December 2013 and then finished in 2014
0: on post. I do recall the months and months of it's not being developed, why isn't it being developed yet?
2: Oh, no, it wasn't. I mean, it was 60 mil. The 60 like, mil... No, I know. The it's processing get happened that. pretty yeah. quickly. Yeah. There was... It did, yeah. So it happened... The processing actually took... I think I got it done within the first two or three months. Oh, okay. Um, but it cost a lot. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> what really held it back was um, the grading process for a number of reasons, I guess. Because mm. it had to go abroad and things like that. So... Um, but yeah, I made this film, uh, which is about two food critics that sit down and have a little conversation. And essentially, their conversation... Kind of is brought about by numerous food analogies and um, that kind of thing, innuendos, etc. etc. Good, good, good. good. Uh, not really, actually. No. <laughs> Surprisingly, I, I, I shocked myself at that one. There's not many very. But anyway, it's a very simple thing, and I finished it and entered into a number of festivals, including Cannes, on a bit of a whim, and um, it got in. It got into a portion of the festival called the Short Film Corner, which is essentially this massive showcase of short films from all around the world. Uh, it's not in competition. There were sh- there were shorts in competition. There's about mm-hmm. nine that are chosen um, for the short film Calm Door, essentially. Um, are
0: they chosen from the ones that you would have been amongst? Or uh, are they I like a separate so. category?
2: No, they're not a separate category, but I think they've... I watched a few of them, and uh, they're kind of... They've got different kinds of backing. Oh, uh, okay. You know what I mean? Friend, yeah. Which isn't necessarily one of the stipulations no. for getting chosen for competition. In fairness, it's not. Um but then there was a few that were like that and then there was a few that absolutely weren't. They were just brilliant. So um it's kind of all about execution and story at the same time. Yeah. But I was I was we were all lumped in, um all the categories uh, are pretty much done by country, with the exception of maybe a few of them that are um kind of standalone. Um so for example the Cine Foundation and Cannes, which is a kind of a group of student filmmakers, they have they're put in their own category. And that kind of thing. So essentially in the short film corner, um, you can do numerous things. So you can go go to the digital film library, which Mm -hmm, is mm -hmm. you can go and watch other people's short films, you can go and watch your own short film, and then you can go to book screening rooms if you want to, and they have these little screening booths, and you can go and show your film and invite people to come and watch your film, which is what I did. And I told people to go and watch it in the digital library, and I invited people to come see it in the screening rooms. And I got very nice reception, which was great. Good, and it's, it's very, um, it's very rewarding and very satisfying mm. when people watch it. And they, you know, it, it was a comedy drama. So when people actually laughed out loud, it was <laughs> there was hugely something very satisfying about that. Especially being mm. in one of the most prestigious and biggest yeah. festivals in the world. That in that in and of itself was an amazing feeling. Very surreal, but great.
0: So, any wild stories to tell us from Cannes? I do, but I'm not going to. I have one, but I
2: have one or two. Is this the one I've heard already? Oh, yeah. Okay. I've one or two, but I'm not going to talk about it on this podcast because it's entirely inappropriate.
0: <laughs> but everybody has. Do you have a family friendly one? You can go with that one.
2: What's family friendly one? If you have one, I mean. Oh. <laughs> um, okay, well, loads of people. Do you know, loads of people ask me if I saw anybody famous. Okay, like, yeah. literally, as soon as I got back, almost everybody, their first question out of their, out of their mouths was did you see anybody famous? and the question is yes I did see famous people but the one thing I have to say is that can the security is hugely tight it's so tight and if you the palais which is where everything happens so the short film corner is in there the marché de film is in there um, and some screening rooms are in there as well so we can go and see some films in uncertain regard and so on you have to pass by three people, at least, or four if you have a bag. Almost everybody is given a bag by the festival yeah. to have a little...
0: Which you think they wouldn't do if there's going to be an extra level of security for bags. They just shouldn't give you bags.
2: Not really, because it's convenience. <laughs> no, it's convenient, I mean, being, but... They're being kind about it, I think. <laughs> I know what you mean, though. But apparently this year, I didn't realise until I came home, was that they really they damped up the security for uh, this festival because of uh, they were screening a film a documentary about Charlie Hebdo so oh, they were yeah. kind of on full, alor- full alert because of that um, but yeah I did see famous people but very much from afar and they're all kind of tucked away as well as soon as they're kind of ex- in any way exposed they're, uh, you know they're immediately <laughs> herded off um, so I saw I saw Woody Allen I saw Woody Allen and I saw from a, like a very very safe distance <laughs> I, did see the, I did see the cast of the lobster so that's okay. kind of cool, that's as close to the lobster as I got Hmm. i mean i mean what
1: what was the atmosphere like in general because you know like it is a prestigious festival but what i hear from people who go to it is that it's very business oriented and you're run mm. off, off your feet around the clocks or trying to promote your movie or make connections or something so i mean i mean, I mean what, what was the atmosphere
2: like? it was kind of like that i got a 50 50 type of experience like that so 50 50 sort of downtime sort of taking it all in and 50 percent trying to network and do things and or maybe maybe a bit more on that side, I think. But yeah, there's there is that's the kind of buzz you get. Like I think maybe I would have been busier had I gone in with a slightly different maybe level of of being involved. So yeah. I mean the short film corner is it's pretty relaxed by and large. But they do allow you to to partake in certain things to to do that. So, for example, there is a breakfast meeting that i registered for so they basically if you if you're successful in applying to that which i was they take you up to the the festival palais terrace and they give you some breakfast and then there's a list of there's about 30, 30 of you and mm-hmm. they give you a list of professionals from all over the world from different institutions and they all introduce themselves and what they do is they place them at couches and uh, it all becomes very relaxed and you can go and actually sit down with them and face-to-face talk to them and have a meaningful conversation to them about your work and about your career and it's all extremely approachable and everybody swaps business cards so that's kind of, a, that's kind of the, one of the biggest things I did.
1: That's, that mm. sounds like a great opportunity and I mean, I just think it's worth repeating that you, you you and a friend from college set up a production company, got a film made mm. through that and th- that was how you ended up having this opportunity so yeah. um, I, I suppose just in case there are people listening who are thinking about maybe doing that, what, what, what were the logistics like of setting up a production company just if you just want to backtrack slightly just like how, how did you get to the initial stage of uh, setting up fight back films like what did that involve
2: um, to be honest with you not much we just <laughs> did it um, we didn't have very much um, background in actual practical filmmaking we just had certain things that we'd made with stuff in, in college so obviously we went to UCD so we did English and we did film theory which is it's not practical but you learn about a lot about um, you get a, a different kind of perspective on, on film I suppose and that was was that a pun? <laughs> no, no, not at all. So just to
0: clarify, there's several modules in UCD Film called Perspectives on Film, 1 through 4 or whatever. Yeah, actually, that's I thought true. That was no, it's a terrible pun. It's a okay. one, maybe.
2: <laughs> um, so uh, we just decided, like, we had we had absolutely nothing to lose. So in doing that, why not just do it?
1: So it was like registering it legally or anything yeah. Just well, we did do that's one.
2: No? We did have one just one kind of legal thing that we wanted to to make sure that we. We we did, which was register the name because we were we were terrified that either somebody else would have the name or else somebody would rob our name. Yeah. So we we did register the name, which really was like forty quid, not even twenty maybe. Mm. And We have a little certificate to say that we both own the name, okay. and it's, it's, cool. it's copyrighted. Where, where did you get that from? Actually, um, I think it's just the. I can't even remember where he went about. It's like the. There's some lot that the CTO is interested in. I have no idea. Yeah, <laughs> I actually, you know, I can't remember. It was, it was two not years wrong, ago. But... I said, like we set it up two years ago, but it's you can you can work it out. It's. But I guess the point hard point hard is, it, right is right it sounded here. easy enough to set this thing up. And Central Statistics Office or something. No, it's not even that. Oh, you no, know, I'm not. I'm going to stop talking because I'm kind of saying <laughs> stupid things now. So.
1: Easy. Here's the thing. This is how easy it was that the the details were so inconsequential that you know. And I just, if anyone out there is thinking of setting up a production company, just get to it. It, it, it sounds quite easy, like yeah, and, and it, you know.
2: it is. And in, in and of itself, you really have to work hard, though. I mean, we. I mean, I I said to people that you know when we first did it, I said, oh, I set up this production company, but I used to kind of backtrack and say, but that's a very loose term for what it is. Mm. So and it kind of is, but not really necessary at this stage because we're we're kind of we're much busier at this point and we have produced other stuff that's not really Iris so for example I I produced a short film an Irish language short film with a friend of mine and she directed and wrote it so it's not just all of our stuff all the time and we do kind of viral marketing stuff as well for businesses when we get the chance Um, but it's still we're still very small but at the same time you know if anybody comes out of college and they're not really sure where to start um, we threw ourselves in the deep end and, and ended up doing doing okay and getting you know getting stuff made and is what I really wanted and actually being able to learn something and further our careers even just a little bit
0: and again can we stress enough within two years you were in Cannes <laughs> yeah I
2: was and you know I didn't think I've held Cannes such high regard for a very long mm. time and I, I think I've said this to you before Richard it uh, was that um, I, uh, I didn't think it would happen now I thought I'd have to work 10 times as hard for another decade <laughs> to even get a look in and yeah. that happened within the first two years but I have to say can make it very accessible for young independent filmmakers to actually get that look in and I think the short film corner was hugely beneficial in, in uh, you know it's not a space they have to really dedicate that's true it, like they don't have to do it but mm. they do and I think that's applaudable yeah
0: so uh, what films did you see in Cannes then?
2: I didn't see any of the main ones, unfortunately. That's okay. It's uh, they're you know, there's it's really really hard to get tickets for certain films. I can imagine. Um, it's just, I mean, if you think about thousands and thousands and thousands of people that attend the festival every year, and every single person wants a ticket for Sea of Trees, which was McConaughey's new film, oh, and, yeah. um, which
0: apparently wasn't that good. From what we'll get
2: to that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I didn't see anything that was in competition, unfortunately. Which was, uh, it's pretty shame because I want as an Irish filmmaker going over the, for, for the first mm. time, I wanted to see. The lobster, you know. I thought it. I was very proud of, of of that presence being there in competition. Anyway, you can go and see several films on uncertain on regard. That's not that difficult to go into, so I saw three films on Uncertain Regard. My producing partner Richie actually saw the winning film Rams, which I missed. He said it was excellent, which okay. was an Icelandic film, um, and which won. Um I then I saw I saw an Iranian film called Nahid. And I saw a Japanese film called Anne, and then a Romanian film called uh, One War Below. And all were very different and had different, I suppose, merits in their own right, I suppose, which are all different. Very, very... But there's a massive a variety. very
0: diplomatic answer. Good job. There's what? It's a very diplomatic answer. Good job. No, they were. Like, <laughs> no, I don't mean, agree. Yeah,
2: but I have to say, I mean, the nicest thing about Cannes is that there's so much diversity. Yeah. So it's not all, it's not all Western stuff. It's from all over the world, which is nice. It's refreshing.
0: Didn't Mad Max open this here or something? It did, which
2: was deadly. But it, <laughs> it allows for, it allows for that, and it allows for so much else. Yeah,
1: I, I think if, uh, when we move on to reviews, like uh, film having merit, you know, is going to be a bit of a recurring theme. Some <laughs> yeah, of well, we'll get, I think out, there was, like, there's something coming up with me and John.
2: There's a few
0: things that arguments we'll have over. Um,
2: yeah. But I have to, I have to, I would encourage anybody, anybody, I suppose, starting off um, in filmmaking mm-hmm. to try and, and do their best to try and go to Cannes It's hugely encouraging. And there's something really lovely about it. I mean, to be honest with you, a more cynical person might have had a different experience. Yeah. I, I went in with a very idealised outlook and fairness. Um, but I had a great experience. And there's something so nice about going to an arena where everybody is there for the same reason. Everybody's there to watch films, to enjoy films, to kind of celebrate cinema in and yeah. of itself. And there's something for everybody. So there's a huge. it's a huge area for press to get involved. Um, there's business, there's directors, writers, actors... Um, there's such a different and diverse amount of people working in film that are present and there is literally something to do for everybody
0: I think it's a fun contrast with you talking about how nice it is and lovely it is and because you Tash brought me back a copy of Variety from Cannes, one of the Cannes issues and I was just looking through it the other day and all of the upcoming events for whatever day that was, I think day five, day three, yeah. uh, it's all yacht parties.
2: I know. <laughs> I have to say, at the same time, I mean, don't get me wrong. Oh, no, yeah, I know, has I know. its problems. <laughs> Can absolutely has its problems. just found
0: that every single studio seems to have a yacht just in the bay to have Pine parties you. on. I, did you get on
2: a yacht? I did not, but I did, I, you know, speaking of Pinewood, I did see, I saw the Pinewood yacht and sure. it was impressive. But, you know, there is still, as you know, this is me going mm. on about how lovely Cannes was <laughs> and how great an experience it was. But it does have its issues. Yeah, no, um, I know. For I know. a number of reasons. And there is, it does attract an obscene amount of amount wealth. Well. <laughs> and I'm not, I think that's just the culture that's developed around the festival. Do you know what I mean? It's just mm-hmm. become one thing. But it's 68 years in the making, so. That's true. It's never going to change. It's, some, it's something about the appeal of it, I think. I just want to finish with something that a lot of people have come up with. And this is something... That's become a bit of a bee in my bonnet as an okay. independent, um, young independent filmmaker in the Irish industry. And um, assuming that people are going to listen to this, I suppose I'm just going to go ahead and say please it. Please listen to this. <laughs> Justify please, our existences. <laughs> um, yeah, a lot of people come up to me and say, well, not a lot of people, but a few people within the industry have come up and said, nobody gives a damn about short films. Yeah. And that really bothers me
0: but it's bizarre because like I feel like every big film of the last few years that's been like winning Oscars like Whiplash or they all started short films
2: yeah a lot of them have started off like Whiplash is a hugely you know successful example of how short films have furthered a a young independent filmmaker's Mm -hmm. career but also you know I got an amazing opportunity to go to one of the biggest festivals in the world because I made a short film and somebody at the festival actually turned around to me, a prominent filmmaker from the Irish industry whose name I will not mention, actually turned around to me and said, "Nobody cares about short films." And I was like, "Really?" Because if nobody cared about short films, I wouldn't be here. <laughs> so, on um, you know, I don't think there are an awful lot of the peop- of people, in fairness, who work in the Irish industry who disagree with the statement. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A lot of people do care about short films, and um, you know, I don't want people who are making shorts at the moment who are told this to feel downtrodden because of their efforts because there's no way that people will learn without being able to at least yep. stretch filmmaking muscles it's very true. Um, in I this mean, capacity. What the
1: short film format does is you have to get across the story very well in a very short space of time yeah, it's, and it's, the uh, shorter it is and the better the story is, I mean that that's showing your yeah. worth of what you have to contribute as Absolutely. a filmmaker. Absolutely.
2: There's, there's a knack to it and there's also a discipline to short filmmaking and it's a hugely beneficial um, practice in filmmaking and I, I think um there's a reason why there is a Pam door for short films it 's a hugely beautiful yeah. thing i think short uh, there's some been, been some amazing short films that bring about so much amazing filmmaking in such a short space of time and people do people do care about short films mm. and I think there's an awful lot of people in the art industry that do do agree with that and so don't listen to anybody short filmmakers or young short filmmakers who say that to you because it 's not true
0: and on that very positive note let 's move on to complaining about other people 's work. <laughs> uh so I'll be honest, we've all kind of failed ourselves as film lovers this month by not seeing that much that's been out, so we've seen a few. We've seen a few. Uh it's been so long since we did an episode of this that we've kind of fallen behind the big stuff, so let's just quickly say Age of Ultron. If you like Marvel movies and are totally on board with this by now, you'll love it because it's more of the same. If you're just a regular casual movie person, it's too long. It spends too much of its time setting up the rest of the franchises. Joss Whedon is clearly very, very tired. Um, (laughs) There's too many characters. It's still funny. The action's still good. The CGI isn't great, I have to say. There's bits where Ultron looks pretty bad... It seems because opening the opening
1: scene, which should have been this great,
0: I didn't shot mind that. That was okay. I mean, like, it looks—it's it's it's sh- clearly scene. green screen. But that, I just, there's other scenes where, because if you look at the credits, there's something like 25 visual effects studios working on that movie, and I think it shows. Like some of the studios clearly had more time than it. The Hulk stuff looks great, but like Ultron doesn't look great. Some of the CGI big battle scenes look very video gamey, and mm. I mean, it's still good. It's still fun. If blockbusters have to be made, this is probably the best they could hope to be. It's better than Transformers. Natasha hasn't seen it. I haven't seen Angel <laughs> Ultron. John, that's do you agree with that pretty much? Anything to add? James Spader's fun.
1: Uh, yeah. I mean I, I thought James Spader plays Ultron, who's the the artificial intelligence who feels that the best I think thing everyone for humanity knows that. would be to wipe out. And yeah. but, but I just I mentioned that because oh, okay. what I found odd is that he he has this very solemn mission and sense of purpose, but he's sarcastic. You know, it was kind yeah, of it was no. a, bit, a bit kind of jarring, but I suppose it was all kind of
0: it's because Robert Downey Jr. makes Marvel a lot of money, so everyone else has to be Robert Downey Jr. also,
1: and and works well with Whedon as a writer as well. Yeah, and, I really. um And he's not doing any more than now, and I uh, but I mean I, I think I've I've quite enjoyed his involvement in the yeah. Marvel movies. And um, you know, I mean, is it, is it worth addressing the controversy about? No, I mean, has been like I don't think so. Yeah, I think, think it's nonsense anyway. Now, so I don't
0: know. I don't know what people want from female characters anymore because it's just. <laughs> You give them more stuff to do, you give them more character traits and backstories. Like, no, it's the wrong kind of backstory. And I was like, shut up, all of you. I don't care anymore. Uh,
2: I could probably <laughs> talk about that, but I mean, I actually I, don't know. I could happily debate feminism with you. Oh, no, I'm not
0: debating feminism. I just think the actual thing they were complaining about. Let's l- 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 not quantify it because I, I don't want to get I into it. It's nonsense. In you
2: know, all honesty, I actually did not engage personally with the Joss Whedon stuff. I'd actually, hmm. I actually, because I wasn't sure what it was about. Mostly because I hadn't seen it. Yeah, even it, it was nonsense. And I wasn't really sure about. Anyway,
0: carry on. I suppose the next one is Mad Max, which I assume every human on Earth has seen by now. Speaking of feminism,
2: yeah. 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 uh,
0: So like all Mad Max movies, it's not really about Mad Max. He sort of stumbles into a plot and then gets carried along in someone else's plot. But because this plot was a feminist plot, the men's rights activists were all, Oh, no, you're ruining an American icon who's actually Australian. But anyway...
1: (laughs) And or, or like some of them saying like the, 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 whoever made this new movie hasn't seen any of the originals. It's George Miller who directed <laughs> all three of the other ones and, and Happy the, Feet and Happy Feet and Babe. And uh, but, but I think that's a good sign that it's kind of that it's not just a studio taking a franchise yeah. and putting like a feminist spin on it. It's the same director, and he's just saying, look, times have changed. It'd be good to have like characters doing that. And it's it, it's not just the Charlize Strong characters getting a lot of attention, but there are these. Um, Older Aboriginal women who show up in the movie, and they're oh, they're great actually, Yeah, 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 they're <laughs> fantastic. And yet, no posters or promotional material. Well, yet, none of them are really like main the,
0: characters, though. I mean, they're they're yeah. in like two scenes. They don't even have names. They are awesome. The,
1: what's great about this movie? The, the, I, I hadn't seen any of the other Mad Max movies, but the, really the world to. is set up so well in this one, yeah. and, and it's all, all visually. The, none of it's dialogue. It's the great. production design mm-hmm. uh, is all, all these like details of how grimy this world looks. It's uh, it's just. Um, great, and the action done so well, a lot of it just so well shot, so so much of it is practical effects, you know, you're actually engaged in the action that's happening, mm. and uh, it, it just works quite well as a movie, I was, I was surprised by how much I enjoyed it actually, oh I don't know oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: speaking of characters, like even the those characters in it which are these kind of pure, um women that escape from that's a spoiler oh his, his wives yeah, yeah yeah the kind of the main villain guy he has a bunch of wives who all look like Daenerys Targaryen <laughs> and in fairness you'd think that they'd be this these really passive weak women and yeah. actually all of them do engage in the action in yeah. some way which is applaud I, I, I kind of I enjoyed that because you know generally I sat there and I was like oh I, here we go again I don't expect these women to do anything and they, they did all the, they were they were doing stuff. They were resourceful Yeah, thank Before they were
1: conflicted, and yeah, so I mean, it was great. I I, I loved seeing that. I suppose one of the funny things about these sort of uh, anti-feminist backlash was that there were these uh, posters going around. The, somebody took the poster, but they took quotes from men's rights activists. So, so it was like, yeah. feminism is ruining cinema. Mad Max Fury Road in cinemas. <laughs> so that was, was uh, other oh, men's ridiculous. rights
2: activists though. Or just, they're all full of, they're all insane.
1: We do a whole episode on that, just how ironic they are, so (laughs) if we just, maybe just leave that. uh...
0: I have one quick question to ask you, Jonathan, about Mad Max, uh, because I was thinking about it recently. I was willing to give Kingsman my action movie of the year until I saw Mad Max, and I still think Mad Max is probably a better overall action movie, but I don't think anything in Mad Max tops that church scene from Kingsman. What do you think? (sighs)
1: I yeah no I agree Mad Max is a better action movie overall and I had problems with Kingsman as we discussed in the last episode speaking of feminism but (laughs) there's this one there's this one scene in Kingsman set in a church that's uh, I mean not only just for the symbolism of it and just how funny it is conceptually but just for how it was shot it was such good choreography and everything and music and everything so
0: yeah we've gone to more recent movies so me and Jonathan in an attempt to stay relevant uh, we've three movies yesterday uh, so let's go in reverse order. First of all, Kung Fury. Have you seen Kung Fury, Natasha? No. Okay, Kung Fury was a crowdfunded thing by most of the Lonely Island, I think, because it seems to be all them in the cast. Um, I love the Lonely Island. I know Island. you do. I
2: love <laughs> and I loved Hot Rod.
0: Haven't seen Hot Rod. Obsessed. Uh, but yeah, so Kung Fury, it's basically everything 80s to the extreme and intentionally silly and Adolf Hitler's in it and Thor and dinosaurs and a dino cop called yeah, yeah, Triceracop. It's a dinosaur
1: cop called Triceracop. Uh, I mean, so it's He's that kind of movie
0: He's, um... I'll be honest I didn't think that much of it purely because Danger 5 a brilliant Australian thing exists TV show, TV TV show. That's, that's, that's the same the basic movie. idea and I think that's much funnier but yeah Cooking Fury is a perfectly adequate you see the thing is they didn't have enough money that's what you told me right to make a full like 90 minute movie yeah. so it's only a half an hour long but I think if that was a full movie it'd be unwatchable I think half an hour suits that sort of ridiculous tone they're going for. Like, I don't think you could sustain that for an hour and a half. And it's a
1: very ridiculous tone where it's one ridiculous thing after another. Bam, 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 bam. Yeah. And Danger 5 is a fantastic TV show. And it's, it's similar to this, but it's exhausting to watch. So, like, 20 minutes is the right length for that. I suppose 30 minutes is a nice good length for this movie. It's, uh, you can watch it on YouTube. I would recommend that you do, especially if you like if you like weird comedy or if you like sort of references to 80s Kind of stuff because it's not just the sort of schlocky parody stuff they're doing with its main character who's like a, a cop who's really good at kung fu. It's mm-hmm. it's all it's like Terminator and Blade Runner and Knight Rider and like absolutely everything from the eighties yeah. gets so mentioned yeah, in this. It's, it's fine.
0: It's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, next, a girl walks home alone. Oh, out of five. Ugh. If Danger Five didn't exist, I give it four. Given that I've seen Danger Five, two and a half.
1: Okay, I'd say three. It's yeah, three, really
0: loved three trice, is fair. Triceracop. He's, 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 I enjoyed Hitler. Hitler. Hitler was fun. Uh, don't use that code of concept, <laughs> please. I have to get hired places. Um, okay, so a girl walks home alone at night. Is that it? Or is a girl yeah. walks home at night alone? A girl walks home alone at night. Okay. Um
2: I'm Dying to see this. It's well, a noir so western. Are we.
1: <laughs> noir western vampire. Would you movie say western? Shot in black and white, and has elements of it. This this movie. What this movie is it's um it's in the Farsi language so it's a Persian cast we're unc- we were weren't sure it's probably set in Iran I
0: think it's shot shot and set in Iran yeah I,
1: I I don't know whether it was shot in Iran or in California with a Farsi I don't think it cast. was shot in California uh, that'd be too
0: weird I should have done my
1: research on that We should have but um, you know <laughs> Well basically just how the movie comes across is is that it's a mishmash of so many different styles and e- even from the soundtrack like you know th- there are different styles of music at different points in the movie
0: mm. um it's very kind of only lovers left alive light which mm-hmm. is not a bad thing to be like that was a good movie this is a pretty okay movie it looks really good i think though you kind of typified it when because we were watching it i mean notice at the very start that vice productions one of the production companies apparently
1: have a film production company called vice films, or vice films and sorry. i i said something like uh, this is like everything yeah. vice love because it's just of all the things that's come out like the soundtrack all these kind of hip trendy bands are in it all the fashion of it like the i am mean, like the central girl who you, you know will go outside wearing a hijab but then she's dressed in quite trendy clothes when mm. she's at home and uh and, and and she by the way gave a very good performance as the as a, as the vampire as plus, every actress um, ever but the um oh yeah, the, yeah she looks <laughs> kind of similar to other western actors and we were trying to figure out like who she looks like but um yeah, but that's beside the point that i guess just the um Although there were good moments to it, but, it, and, but yeah. we just, did just get this sense that there, it was trying to be trendy and hip in so many mm. ways, and Elijah Wood was an executive producer. And, and there's moments like where it goes very kind of
0: there, like, Tarantino-y, and it, it's, yeah. it's kind of like a not, it's okay, it's nowhere near as bad as, it's not bad, it's good, but it's nowhere near anything like Lost River, which we might talk about in a while, see. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> exactly. But anyway, Lost River was this mishmash of, you know, Refn and Jodorowsky and Lynch and all the crap. It sort of has a similar problem that it's trying to be every kind of cool, trendy Western director at once, and it doesn't fail at that. I just feel like there's moments, like the Tarantino moments, where it's like, "Ugh, please stop." It's
1: interesting. <laughs> it's worth checking out. No, I guess yeah, do I just see just it. Didn't definitely, quite live
0: up to the hype for us, I guess. And speaking of living up to the hype, the tribe.
2: Oh wow! Okay, I, I actually I'm really devastated that I missed that. Okay. Uh, for for in two different, I had two occasions which I absolutely could have. I actually I could have seen it during Jive. I just didn't take it and I could have gone and, and watched it. And I, um, it was out recently and I just, I literally went to see it the day after it finished and it, I didn't realize it.
0: I mean, I would say go see it, it's definitely worth seeing. I'm not convinced the cinema is the best place to see yeah, it. Yeah,
1: we were thinking that
0: because <laughs> when we watched this yesterday, it was.
2: It's hugely jarring, right? There's no subtitles. There's no, there's
0: no subtitles, there's no, no sub- score. Sub- it's sub- all you yeah. get is like ambient background noise. And I can only imagine it would be the most inc- unbelievably awkward thing to watch in a cinema in a dark room with other people. I think you need to watch it. Probably on your own couch in some kind of more casual setting. Cause it. it's, well, over two, two hours, hours, maybe two, hours and two
1: hours, watch it on your own. Or if you're, like, if you have someone, you can try to get. If what's like Jonathan, it, you
0: have great struggles following the plot. And need someone like me to sit beside you explaining what's happening in each scene. It makes a for a friend. very interesting
1: <laughs> way to watch the movie, though, because the conceit of the movie is that it's set in a deaf school and the students The most are involved, crime-ridden deaf school involved ever in some known kind to kind of organised crime racket, and um, it's even, even the nature of the crimes they're committing is unclear. So, I mean, there were a couple of points where I was kind of going, what's happening now? And I was like... So it, it's kind of a funny way to watch a movie, but the, I think the movie itself is quite uh, solemn, and it's quite... You know, you know, there is something entrancing about how, mm. you know, You know, there wouldn't be another movie like it, that no. there are no subtitles, but with the sign language, you know, it, it is more or less easy to follow how certain interactions are going. I just think yeah. the problem is the story as a whole d- didn't have enough clarity for me, and I know part of the effect is that it's supposed to be quite alienating. There are very, very long takes that go on for quite a while, and there's very few close-ups. It's all quite... Alright, so, so so I mean that that kind of yeah. doesn't help in terms of trying to understand the sign language yep. plus
0: it's very yeah. ambitious, it's very impressive. I think it's about twenty minutes too long. Yes. And but the second hour is undeniably harrowing and there's just some really rough, rough stuff in there, which again I can't deny was very effective when watching it, but I don't watch it ever again. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um because the whole, the whole idea is that love and hate does not require words. Isn't it? That's what the advertising is. It's, visual, about it's about so, yeah. visual storytelling.
1: Yeah. And like that that concept, Like I, I really admire what this movie was trying to do. And there are moments where it yeah. works so mm. well. But yeah, on the whole, yeah, it was just kind of...
0: To make an awful pun, love and hate doesn't require words. It does require drawers, though. Lots of heavy, heavy drawers.
1: And if you've seen the movie, <laughs> you'll understand how tasteless that joke Good is. Good God. So.
0: <laughs>
2: do you know actually speaking of films that are good god and yes. I want to watch it again richard and i um spent two and a half hours in the cinema last year was it last year where's going Irish
0: oh go enter it, the, the void. void yeah
2: which was a Gasper is a film, and i have to say never again. <laughs> never again no so, <laughs> let's lots of people ask there's, actually,
0: me, there's moments in the tribe that reminded me of that
2: because a lot of people ask me, and they probably ask you guys yeah. as well, what film has like stayed with you the longest? <laughs> and honest to God, it's probably Enter the Void. Probably, it's yeah. so disturbing. I never want to see
0: an aborted fetus or a truck ever again.
2: I, I, I found it hugely disturbing and yep. very effective. Yeah. I do, like, I spoke to Richard about this recently. I will never watch it again. No. But I, I do applaud Gaspar Noe <laughs> for achieving something that that, in in, you know when we we watched it but it's Mm. yeah i kind of would urge people to go and see it though especially people just just for the the hell of it yeah but i don't i really highly recommend trying to see it in a cinema because as i said to richard it wouldn't have been half as effective had we watched it at home because in the cinema there is no escape
0: yep (laughs) especially not from trucks repeated trucks yeah or entire penises coming at you (laughs) Right in a massive full screen, which is just the that worst.
2: Is re- that really happened in the film, by the way. If anybody's listening and hasn't seen Edge of the Void, that happens. It's a very there's anatomically in depth movie. There's a point of view, and of course the end. Let's <laughs> just leave it there. I yeah, think leave there, we have done it. Anyway, Edge of Void. Um, I also love uh, Gaspar Noe's new film was showing a can this year, and I, I, I avoided that.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, okay, I think we'll. I want to end on Glassland, but I want to quickly just mention, because I think it was out in cinemas here, it's gone now, but it's probably on VOD little Irish horror movie called The Canal,
2: oh, which, good. yeah, I me and
0: you both saw that. Okay. It was it was pretty pedestrian, I think, for I mean, most yes, parts. It is, very conventional. It's very conventional, and I could kind of guess what was going to happen at the end from the moment the kind of inciting incident happened in Act One. It was very obvious what was happening, because if you see enough horror movies, it's pretty by the numbers, but in the last 20 minutes or so, there are some properly messed up visuals yes. that were thoroughly impressive. Very, I mean, when you see a woman sort of... I don't know how to describe it. Like sort well, of. Maybe we
2: shouldn't describe it because there's yeah. there's just some really messed up. stuff yeah. to Yeah, I describe the
0: Jonathan the way. We're
2: childbirth.
0: To do it or something, birth
2: Or something, birth Yeah.
0: <laughs> something black and sludge like.
2: Yeah, uh, believe it that. But no, now, it that. if it's not, if you haven't caught it, I do try and get yeah, it. Yeah, it's it'd be a good. We go crack
0: for like a crowd view, i imagine. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty
2: good. And actually, we did see it as it was. A, we went to see it in Jadef, and it was a packed house. Mm. And, it was and actually, former
0: fun. former on a podcast, I was Rory was there for that. He seemed pretty freaked out by it. So he there was. You go. <laughs> it, no, it
2: was good though. I mean, I think I was talking to somebody recently about horror films mm. and. We both kind of agreed that with horror, it's very difficult to try and find a new kind of definitely um, formula to it. Like not formula, that's kind of I suppose because it is horror. Is I know so, what you mean. Though, yeah, yeah. Horror is so formulaic. Yeah. But you have to find an original way of, of telling that formula. Yeah. I saw The Town of the Dread at Sundown, which is i I'm dying remake. to watch that. Yeah.
0: It's, it's, a, it's a remake, it. but it's a remake, it's a remake where it acknowledges the existence of the previous movie totally in the universe. It it's very it's, meta and whatnot. Yeah. yeah, it knows
2: its audience. I think yeah. an awful lot of horror is like that. It's playing to a certain audience. The Canal is very conventional, but it, it tells the story. It ex- mm-hmm. It's a good execution in horror. Yeah. Um, then again, it doesn't always work, so there are some horror films that are just woeful in yeah. that way. <laughs> And um, they kind of really play into that formula a little too seriously. Um, at least the time that, that dreaded Sunday knew that and just mm. had a good sense of humor and a good tone, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um there's also actually, I suppose, a little bit of a shout out. There's an Irish mm. horror film coming out um, called The Devil's Woods. Which was, I haven't heard of it, but okay. It's, it's meant to be quite good. I yeah. catch it. It's on the. I think it's on during Harathon, So a few months.
0: God, is it almost Halloween already? Good
2: God. No, not quite. But it's not months. nothing. Enough. Anyway, um, right. Anyway, so carry on. Yeah.
0: I have not seen Glassland, but these two have, and I know they have the perfectly opposite opinions on them. So, by all means, I shall throw open the gauntlet. Fight. It's
2: great. <laughs> I hated it.
0: Um, I mean, I... Um... Is it Glassland or Glasslands?
2: Glassland.
1: Glassland. Okay. And Singular. at, at Sundance clarify. Film Festival, it, Jack Raynor won the Best Actor prize. He is good in this. In general, he's a good actor. I wish him well. Um, the, the <laughs> That's act, a worrying preface the, for The sentence. acting in general is good. Um, How's Tony Gillett's Tallaght accent? This kind of um, I didn't mind it. Other people I've spoken to hated it. Okay. Uh, well, what, what do you think of because uh, like her and uh, Will Poulter from Maze Runner is is also in this and and they're they're both foreign actors coming here doing Irish accents. How do you think they they came across?
2: Um, I thought Bill Poulter his accent was pretty good I thought Tony Collette was brilliant in okay. the film but I did not think her accent was very good right mm-hmm. that's
0: really interesting even though you liked the film you hated her accent you hate the film but like her accent that's very bizarre
1: I mean the movie is about it's about the relationship between Jack, largely about the relationship between Jack Rainer and his mother played by Tony Collette uh, who is an alcoholic and they're living in very grim circumstances he's a taxi driver um by profession but he has to look after her most of the time and it's uh, i think we should her...
0: clarify right now you didn't actually sit through the entire thing you walked out of it
1: um there was a scene about halfway through the movie where the the uh, tony collett's character is explaining where she's coming from and i just despised her character and at that point i i walked out so yeah I and mean, that's that's only the second time i've done that with the movie uh the other time, the other time was earlier in the year, a movie called The Most Violent Year with Oscar Isaac and Jessica Chastain, and again, very well acted movie that had in, that conceptually was interesting. But it, this and Glassland had something that's a pet peeve of mine, which is a movie's very slowly paced. That something, unless it were like the the tribe and Girl Walks Home Alone, and I have that to some extent. But I just yeah i i can't can't put my finger on when it does and doesn't work for me but it doesn't work in glasslands the 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 opening scene is jack rayner getting up preparing cornflakes eating cornflakes going out to his car and there are lingering shots on doors for like 10 seconds long after cars have left the driveway and stuff and i just think in terms of the the pacing and style of it and the sort of setting and subject matter of it i think it's it, it, it's very similar to Irish films we've seen a lot of,
0: which it, it, we'll have this debate another day. I don't. Get, I'm not getting into my hatred of Irish that, cinema. Let's <laughs> not <getting> into, <laughs> no, I we think,
1: won't get into. No, I think Jonathan, you've said enough. Don't, I don't want to. Like, Jonathan, you said enough. Natasha, you no, just, you have two I, minutes I, rebuttal. I just want to say that with Glass that I, I just think we have genre movies being made in Ireland. now, like The Canal from the Dark, Darkness on the Edge of Town. There are lots of like that very dark. good movies. Um, yeah, you, you know that we're make, that aren't sort of slow burning art house pieces that I just I just think we could move on from at this stage. You know, and I, like I don't want to put Irish filmmakers down, but I just like you really didn't so enjoy
0: at all <laughs> alright Natasha.
2: Yeah, defend I, will, it. I think. First of all. <laughs> Controversial statement, Jonathan. I think your argument is redundant because you didn't sit through the entire thing. Ay-oh. And you also The missed... ending
1: is so so weak though, isn't it? Because I, I then uh, learned did about you see what happens ending? in the ending, yeah.
2: Uh, no, it's not. So, um, <laughs> well not in my opinion. We're talking about opinions, though. exactly. Do you know what exactly. I mean? In fairness, so it's all relative. But I think you did miss like one of the most intense and brilliant scenes from Jack Rayner where it was just astonishing. There's a scene where he kind of breaks down in the car with his mum, mm. who's continuing her kind of downward spiral of destructive alcoholism, and he just breaks. And the entire thing apparently was um, improv, and it's just I've never seen anything like it in Irish okay. acting in a very very long time. And um, if that's that is, I'd say the reason why Sundance gave him the tip of the hat. I think it was just mm. brilliant, and that that was worth staying on for in and of itself. I think Glassland I thought was I think I think it was a bit of a I really, really loved it for a number of reasons. I disagree with the pacing um, for because, basically, I think the the opening in particular shows off character development and it shows off environment very well and space. I think it shows off working class in you, um, but I don't think it's too long. I think it's there for a reason, that slowness, that pace is there for a reason. I mean, it's not fast paced, because why would it be? Um, their lives are not fast paced. They're kind of ticking along at a certain pace at a certain level um, they're unchanging in a lot of ways as well because of where they are and what's happening to them mm. and I think you know, the reason he gets, we see him get up and have cornflakes is almost a routine, it's a routine thing but it shows the manner in which he, he does get up, the manner in which he has mm. to make cornflakes which is watered down milk it's kind of all he seems to have in the house there's nothing in there, there's dirty dishes stacked up in the sink and he gets out and goes to work and I think that's there's something in that um, there's some, it's a beautiful opening and it showcases character and circumstances who is this well. movie
1: for though like if it it's going to be so slow paced and so just putting you in the world of these kind of characters in such a grim situation that's a redundant question I it find I don't like that kind question.
0: of marketing yeah. because I mean who is the tribe for who is girl walks light oh my god for vice readers people are into really <laughs> you <trendy laughs> things the tribe
1: I suppose for people I, I, really no, I think, think it's a redundant question I think it's film making question. I, is something we've seen before like
2: I don't believe there is a demographic, a particular demographic in which Glassland is aimed at.
0: And Yeah, it doesn't have to be. No, uh, I
2: don't think it has to be. It's I haven't seen it, of, so I can't read really It's to not the know. kind of film that's going to be... Mar- I don't believe that they've marketed it towards any, anybody in particular other than the the general film goer who wants to see a film like yeah. this. It's just... It's not like, for example...
0: I think we'll just leave it there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah look, think, <laughs> we could sit here for I an, an, an hour. Great, yeah. I, okay. I, applaud,
2: I applaud Jared Barrett for a really, really good...
0: We had good different opinions here. There was an argument. Yeah, no, it no, was no, good. I,
2: I, I think in Jack Rayner's performance is great. And you did like in walking out you missed a brilliant brilliant like scene from Jack Reiner. I really yeah. really did. Um and I don't mean to be so harsh in saying that your your opinion is redundant because you walked out. That's not true. But um, It is. <laughs> no. no, I, was, I was <laughs> but joking. In fairness, I'm joking. I'm joking I would have I would have encouraged sticking away the whole the whole way through. I would have um, um, I really did. It's a good film. what I what, scene of Jack Raynor was good before
1: I did walk out, so I mean let let's see more from him anyway, like he's he's great. So
0: Uh, I will quickly just flag up Mr. Holmes, which is out next week, I think, because I've already seen it. Uh, We'll probably review it properly the next time we do one of these, which will hopefully be not five months later. Uh, It's really good. Ian McKellen's really good. If you like Sherlock Holmes, it's really good. Go watch it. And on that note... Who's
2: the best Sherlock Holmes? Of all of them? Okay, so Ian McKellen. Ian McKellen. Benedict Cumberbatch, a The man from elementary.
0: Or Robert Downey Jr.?
2: Yeah, we're Robbie Downey Jr. So Ian, McKellen. On, Ian McKellen. Ian McKellen. Okay. <laughs> I like and then up, I really want to see McKellen though.
0: Yeah. There's something about his snide sarcastic witticisms that are just added to by him being old and like just his old man resting bitch face. It's great. Ian McKellen. <laughs> Ian McKellen. <laughs>
2: old man resting bitch face. <laughs> it's my trademark <laughs> me. Uh
0: the a new
1: term here, if you've learned nothing else. So. Well, Ivan Richard Drum.
2: I've been Natasha Wall.
1: I'm Jonathan
0: Victory and to leave you one of my favourite quotes many movie ever only a cynical man would call these people have lives